You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Okay, I want to start off this episode asking you a quick question, if you don't mind. But have you ever found yourself in a season or a situation where you ask yourself, who am I? (laughs) What is going on here? I'm really not quite sure who I'm operating as. And it could be because you have so many good things in your life but you're realizing they don't bring you life. Or it could be because you're in a really hard, difficult season. Everything's been stripped away and you're now starting to ask yourself, who am I without these things in my life? Well, if you are one of those people, I have a friend that you need to meet. Her name is Emily Lex and she is joining us in today's episode. And we're chatting all about this bigger idea of security and purpose, confidence, and how do we turn over our hands and let God do work in our lives. Which, of course, easier said than done, right? But Emily gives us practicals, next steps, and her honest story of what it took for God to slowly open her eyes to her living a life of insecurity. Emily is an artist, and she just released a book, Freely and Lightly, God's Gracious Invitation to a Life of Quiet Confidence, that is available for you right now. Well, hey, Emily, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. I am so excited to have you. I am so happy to talk with you. And you're coming from Seattle, which I just was uh-huh. talking about. Uh, <laughs> today is very gloomy and sad and rainy, and you're like, yeah, welcome I get it. to my life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we both are cozy and cuddled. Yes, I know, except poor Seattle. Like, we get such a bad reputation because it does rain a ton, and January, February, March, is there's just not pretty times here. But then summertime comes and it's, you've never seen a prettier place. So Ugh. we stick it out. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's worth it, right? Yeah. That's it's what worth it. Out. Although I do have my like down jacket around my shoulders because it's just always cold. <laughs> I know. I'm like, sometimes I drape a blanket over my legs and like, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. You feel like a grandma. That's how I do it too. But I'll be honest, if we were sitting in person, I would probably be in the same thing. I just love being cozy these days. Oh, perfect. We'll just pretend. We'll pretend. We'll pretend. So, okay, I'm going to take a second to brag on you for our friends listening. You are an incredible artist. Let me just say, your watercolors blow my mind. So gorgeous. Um, And then your painting videos. Okay, if people are video people listening, (laughs) you need to go see Emily on Instagram because she's got painting videos that mesmerize me, I have to admit. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're also an author and you're renovating a house. Oh my goodness. I know. What a great time to do this. Oh, and I have four kids and they're homeschooled this year. So. Okay, yeah. And then there's that. And then there's that. Oh, wow, mama. You've got it all going on. They're big kids. I should just clarify. There are two of them are in high school. Two of them are older. Like, you know, elementary and middle school. So it's different than having lots of little kids. But yes, my plate is pretty full, but of so many good things. So I'm really grateful. All blessings. They're independent-ish is what my mom used to call us as teenagers. Yes. (laughs) And they're wonderful. Oh, well, and thank you for the compliments about the art. Uh, The videos, they're like time-lapse videos. And I'm mesmerized by watching them and they're my own videos. So that's so dumb. But I love watching painting videos of other people too. It's just like so relaxing to watch 
So I appreciate seeing the process. I think that's Mm -hmm. like something you don't see often. And so if Mm -hmm. I can see the behind the scenes of how something happens, I just, as a consumer, appreciate it so much more because I'm like, oh, that's what it took, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I know. And to see like, oh, with watercolor, you always start light and you build darker. And I watch another gal and she does oils and you always start with like this dark background and it always feels really weird to me. So it's just, I I didn't know that about oils. So it's fun um, to see how... Different people do it. Yeah. Okay. Tell us real quick about the house though. Are you enjoying it or is it going to be the end of you? Because I have friends on both sides of the spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. So we, before I was a writer, I was a blogger. I've blogged for about 10 years and a lot of it was about house content. And then in the last couple of years, I've just um, shut down that part of kind of my life and started a new website. And so it feels normal. It just, what doesn't feel normal is that I'm not like sharing the whole process because that's what Uh, I did before. (laughs) So it feels fine. I mean, the, the worst of it happened in like September and we, there were a ton of wildfires that were happening on the West coast. And so the air quality was so bad. We had to have the windows shut, but at the same time we were tearing out the floors. And so there was just like this (laughs) terrible cement dust. So we couldn't breathe inside and we couldn't breathe outside. Yeah. We could not escape. Oh my God. That was not great, but we're at the tail end. It's almost done. It looks beautiful. It's, we're just, um, these it's, we've been here for about four years and this is the renovation we've been wanting to do, but just the right timing and budget just, finally lined up for right now and and it feels nice to just we're almost done (laughs) it is it's beautiful it is and it's not even complete like I haven't even seen the completed picture yet but I'm like this this is gonna be good yeah it's good (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay so then again with all of this you have a new book Mm -hmm. again another Mm -hmm. great thing to add to this list um freely and lightly and I want you to just tell us all the things shameless plug this thing up because we were saying before we started recording, this is going to be, this is the book on the shelf. You look at, you pass by, and then you stop, and you take the two steps back, and you're like, I got to touch it. I got I to gotta oh, look at it. It's yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. It is. I'm so proud of it. I, um, like, when you're launching a book, you should have a really great, concise elevator pitch, and I just don't. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry for not being, like, real concise about it, but um, this one is just basically my heart. And, um, it is the story of, I've been a believer all my life and just, I love Jesus and I have really followed after him, but over the last, um, handful of years, I'm 42 now, this kind of started about in my early thirties where it just started this journey of realizing maybe I don't quite know who I am and maybe the identities that I'm grasping are things that are really temporary and they're good things, but I'm tr- I'm just squeezing the life out of them, and they're I'm trying to get them to tell me who I am, and they're just not satisfying. And so it was this very um, long, like five years of of a real intense, just kind of figuring out who am I, and that led me to really question who is God and do I trust Him? Wow. And so the story in freely and lightly is really just that story of asking the question, who am I, which led me to who is God, which then kind of leads to like, what is a satisfying good life? What is the life that God has for us? So it it is my heart. Absolutely. It's like a very personal story, but my hope is that by, um, you know, if we were to sit on the couch and just talk about this story, I feel like that's what's written in here where I think it's very invitational to say, 
here's what's going on in my life. Do you also identify with this? And here are some things that I've learned. And here is this amazing promise from Jesus that he will restore us, that he will tell us who he is and who we are. Um, and it's just been absolutely life transformational. I know I'm still on that journey. Like I'm not done. So it feels weird to like close the book because this is what following Jesus is, right? It's mm-hmm. like practicing and learning and confessing and then learning again. Um, but, but this, the big chunk of this book was written after five years of really asking questions and then finding answers. So I hope it's so encouraging to people and um, it's vulnerable for sure. But I just, I know that the Lord was asking me to write it and I did and I'm, and I'm really proud of the work. And I'm grateful for it too. Cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of us walk around like all buttoned up. We got our stuff together mm-hmm. and uh, we can even, here's the thing too, is we can even play like that vulnerability transparency game, but it's like mm-hmm. a false, it's like a fraudulent type mm-hmm. of vulnerability. So like you tell someone just enough to make them think like, oh, she's real. Like she's, she's down to earth. But I feel like to ask the question, who am I, uh, mm-hmm. can be really scary. Cause Super scary. If, if everything, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like I recently walked through this when my husband went to officer training school for the military and friends listening that were with me back in March probably just remember how hard that was for me because everything was stripped away, like routine because of pandemic, husband because of training. And I was asking myself the same question while we were walking through infertility, like mm-hmm. if, if I'm not going to be a mom and I mm-hmm. don't have my husband with me right now and I don't have my routines, I started having that same like, oh, who am I? Like, who what? Am I? Yeah. yeah, who am I if everything was stripped away? Yeah. Well, and even like, who am I if everything's stripped away? But also, who am I when life is really good? Yeah. But but those things still, like, I have four kids and they're healthy and I have a marriage and I have a business that's thriving and I have a blog and people are telling me all the time how great I am. But yet, why do I feel so dissatisfied? Wow. And, and that is like, that's like, you would never admit to that because how many people want my life, but yet here I am and it's still not fulfilling. And, and so I think what we're tempted to do is like, okay, well then find some new things to fulfill you, but those things also won't fulfill. And so really it's just coming down to like, oh, I think I just don't trust that, that I'm enough because God says I'm enough because I don't know that I trust that God is good, which those are hard questions. And those are hard things to admit when, when, um, you know, you're, you're living as if all those things are true, but like really deep down, just finally admitting, you know what, God, actually, I kind of trust in myself more than I trust in you. I think I know better than you. Like that was very freeing for me to say that and admit it. And then of course, like have to learn that that's not actually true. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I need to know though, what was your like skirt moment? I don't know how to say it, but like, <laughs> what was the moment where you feel like you just hit it square in the face and you're, you, it brought you to your knees to be like, I got to figure this out or like start the journey of figuring it out. Um, and you really turned to the Lord and we're like, I need you to fill in these gaps because there are lots of gaps because I think that we can convince ourselves we're good. And like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. there's something else that can fill me up. Maybe I'll start this new hobby or like, maybe mm-hmm. I'll do this thing, mm-hmm. um, thinking that it would fill that. But what was your Emily moment of being like, yeah, there's, there's literally nothing else. I've got to turn to God. Okay. I want to answer this in two ways. Number one, I don't think there is a moment. I think that the way that God works is he just starts to have you pay attention and wow. it's just these little moments where you just, it just, he's trying to get your attention. 
And I think if you don't pay attention, then some big things will happen. So I think for me, it was a long process of lots of things, of lots of noticing, of lots of like, oh, why did I react like that? Or why am I crying about this? Or um, why do I feel so insecure about this? Or why am I behaving like this? Or why am I looking to this thing for affirmation? So I think it's a ton of things that will just start to tip you off into like, uh, I might not be healthy. <laughs> um, but I do, I do tell a story um, that I went to Rwanda with a team several years ago. And I it was a team of like lots of um, names that people would recognize in the Christian space. Amazing, beautiful, incredible women who were so kind. And I felt a little out of place because I was like a lifestyle blogger on this trip um, with these like big names. But they were all so wonderful. But I sat on the bus one day um, every day we got on the bus to go to the different like places that we were seeing in Rwanda and everyone just traded places all the time. And we all were getting to know each other. And I got on the bus one day and no one sat next to me. Mm. And I sat there and it just fell apart and cried so hard. And, you know, I wanted to dismiss it as like, Oh, well, I probably just miss my family or we're dealing with the genocide and talking about really difficult things. Maybe it's just that, but truly what was actually happening in my heart is I felt like a little girl who no one chose. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, I'm so insecure and I'm so wounded on the inside. And I'm so terrified that people don't like me. What is going on? I'm 35 years old. I should be over this. So um, I think that was a really big moment. And then it took about a year of some more little wake up things. And then I tell this story also in the book that I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii where we were vacationing with friends. It should have been the dreamiest time of my entire life. But I sat on the beach feeling so alone and just praying, God, who am I? What is going on with me? So I'd love for I'd love to be able to say to the listener. There will be one thing that God will just hit you across the head and you will just know it's time. But I just, I don't know that. He, I think he's so gentle. <laughs> I think he just, it's a, it's a slow, like paying attention and waking up is kind of what I call it. Like you have to wake up to what is actually going on inside of your soul and, and God will be so gentle to wake you up to it. And it's just admitting it. It's just being aware of it. <laughs> yeah. And then after the awareness happens is when I feel like, okay, now, Rachel, you're called to action. Like, and mm-hmm. once you become aware, you're like, now I need mm-hmm. to do something about it. I can't now just continue to sit here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Like, what did yeah. that process look like for you? Being like, all right, mm-hmm. I've got, he's gotten my attention. We've had these small moments. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Move forward. Yeah. Okay. If we were sitting together and you could see my hands, let me see if I can explain them. If my hands are fisted, hold it out, hold it out. That's not how you say it. Held out (laughs) in front of me and my thumbs are down. So hold your fists tight. They're held in front of you. That is kind of how I was gripping my life. I was really holding on because it was good. And I wanted all this stuff and like, let me fill myself up. I think the awareness, um, caused me to have to turn my hands over. And then the undoing part happens. And this is the hardest part because it means you have to start letting go of things. So now your hands are opening up and you're releasing things. And for me, a lot of that was just the awareness of where a lot of my um, insecurity, where it was found and then what I was doing to deal with it. So some of that was like distraction and busyness, um, comparison, control, which is huge, self-reliance. And so it's just like this this kind of process of becoming aware of what are these things that I'm reaching for to tell me who I am and how can I release those things? And then once your hands are open, now God can come and fill you in with his truth. And so that process 
um, was a lot of like digging into scripture. And I met with a spiritual director and doing a ton of um, just listening to any content I could get my hands on, on spiritual formation and what does it actually mean and what is identity. So it's like this hands open filling up. And then the fourth posture is once, once God has changed your identity from no longer being self-reliant, but now trusting in him. Now my hands can be open and I can go through life with my hands being open. Cause I'm already, I'm already belong. I am already chosen. I'm already valued because of who he says I am. So now I'm not looking to the world to grab things. My hands are just open and now I can just give of myself and offer myself and offer who I am. So that's like, I wish I could, you know, have a video of like showing what my hands are doing, but hopefully that makes sense. But yeah, I think that that was, it's not formulaic and it's not like a linear thing, but I, it, that's like the best I can explain of like what that process looked like for me. I can see it. I'm visual. I'm Yeah, I would see exactly what you're doing in the opening of the hands. And what I love that you just said was that it's not just a like, it's not just a learning of new things. It's an unlearning of things that mm. you may have clung to as truth first. Like, yeah, it has to like he has to take away and then he has to give too. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's an exchange. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. I think it's that exchange part that makes people cringe because they're like, I don't know if I want to trade what I've got. And that's like, trust me though, that it is bigger and better in Ephesians 3.20, more than you could ever Mm -hmm. ask or imagine. Is that Mm -hmm. who you think I am? Because I am him. And it's just our decision of saying yes, which is obviously easier said than done. But when we do, and we do give him the opportunity I mean, oh, just the ways yeah. I feel like he comes through and proves himself it to us, which he doesn't even have yeah. to prove himself. Yeah. Or mind One of the things that I said is like, um, because the way that I've written freely and lightly is kind of based off of scripture in Matthew, where the traditional version says, Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And so I use the message version just because the language was just interesting and I liked the way that it was said, but he says that he, um, come away with me and, um, you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Um, should I keep going? I'll keep reading it. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, which is where that title came from. But one of the things that I thought about in reading that is like, when I want to rest, and I, like, I have long hair, and so my hair's in a ponytail a lot. When you take that ponytail holder out of your head before you lay your head on your pillow, like it, it hurts a little bit. Does that ever happen to you? Like, oh yeah, you that like kind of hurt. Hurts, yeah. But like, but you have to undo that before you can actually rest. And so it's kind of like that, where it's like, I have to take that ponytail holder out, and it hurts just a little bit, but actually that allows me to rest because now it feels better. <laughs> so, wait, do you want to hear what came to my mind when you said that? Sure. okay this is for the girls maybe they'll giggle maybe they'll think I'm a freak who cares okay like taking off a bra like I can't nap with like an underwire bra on for right of course of course you gotta take it off so that you can rest like there's an undoing before you can rest that's funny hilarious that's all I could think of I was like I must say it but yeah Yeah. I I love that because we recently had Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith on the show and she talked all about rest and she says Mm -hmm. a lot of times like our viewpoints are uh, like I'm going to work hard so that I can rest mm-hmm. when God wants us to understand, like you cannot show up until you rest. Mm-hmm. So it's actually an opposite. And mm-hmm. so hopefully we can rest 
proactively rather than reactively, especially when it comes to this identity thing. It's it's coming at life from a restful posture. And where I'm, what I mean by that is like that your soul is at rest. That my ident like I'm not um I'm not treading water anymore mm-hmm. because I know who I am. And God and because of who God says that I am. So now that I can I can go through life like in this kind of restful way because I'm no longer asking the world to tell me who I am. Um and it's transformational. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you used a word earlier that stuck out to me that I loved. Um or that I don't love, but I want to talk about. Okay. You said the word insecurity, and I think that that's exactly what this lack of identity is. That mm-hmm. it's not like an insecurity. I think a lot of people think of insecurity like a lack of confidence, but it's it's exactly it. It's like when you don't know who you are, you're you're now lacking what it takes to show up in confidence, knowing you're here on purpose, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when we aren't secure, or I'll speak for me. Um, I think it's really easy for me to let my insecurities guide me and like you're saying, make decisions for me. Like I'm going to try this new thing or I'm going to try to do this harder or get validation in this area. Um, and I start seeing myself make unwise, unhealthy decisions and it was because I was acting from that place of insecurity. But you talk about and freely and lightly about how when your insecurities like used to creep up on you, you would kind of like me push them down and like just try to take care of them. Yeah. But now I feel like there's got to be a healthier way to approach this. And I want to hear practically what that looks like for girls listening that are like, yeah, me too, Rach. Yeah. I think it's such an important question. So one of the things that I've learned about insecurity is that um, insecurity and pride are the same thing. It's it's self-focus. It's that I'm either going through my life being really prideful or I'm going through my life being really insecure, but they're both, my eyes are on myself, mm. on either one of those, which isn't that kind of fascinating? <laughs> like, yeah, I've never thought know, of it like that. You think that they're opposites, but they really are. It's just that your eyes are focused on yourself. And so I think the most practical, and, and I'm going to say a swear word. I'm sorry for saying a swear word. You can cut this out. But one of the things I did at Bible study with my girlfriend, just a book that the two of us were reading, and I was confessing to her, like, Casey, I either feel like shit or I feel like the shit. I, I'm telling you, Rachel, you can cut that out. I'm keeping like, it. I'm keeping it. I, I, I don't normally swear. But it's just like those two phrases, they they are the same thing. Yeah. They are the same thing. And so it's either I feel super insecure all the time or I feel really prideful and self-righteous all the time. They are about self. And so what, what Jesus, I think, calls us to is like, goodness, girl, take your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes on me. I'm good. I lead you. I will help you. <laughs> and so um, as far as like a really practical way, I, I was just feeling insecure yesterday. I feel insecure all the time because of course we're like selfish and and it's so much easier for me to just think about myself than anything else. So I was feeling insecure about something and I just, I, I think I finally have some tools where I'm like, wait a second, is that the truth or is that not true? And it's, and it's, it takes so much intention and so much paying attention and then deciding, you know what, that actually is not true. And so I'm going to fill my mind with beauty and truth. And so I put on a podcast, a Bible project because I love Tim Mackey, but, um, so it's finding something else to fill your brain with, because I just, I was not in a, like my brain is going to spiral. And if I just let it spiral, it will, but instead I have, you have to stop it and say, you know what, that's not true because of this reason or whatever it is. 
And then now just fill your mind with beauty and truth. (laughs) It's the taking every thought captive. Absolutely. I I mean, that's what like Jesus says, like renew your mind. That is what we do (laughs) by doing these spiritual practices. And the, the purpose is to teach yourself what is true and trusting that God is good. Um, And it's just, uh, that's why I say like when I finish the book and like when you close the book, gosh, I hope no one thinks that I'm done because (laughs) it's just like (laughs) none of us are done. This is just a process. Yeah. Oh man, this is, Emily, this is good because I have never thought about it that way, that insecurity is more similar to pride than we think. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest, in my mind, like confidence and pride go together and then insecurity and humility are go Mm -hmm. together. Like yeah. And it could not be further from the truth. I no. heard someone say one time that humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yes. Absolutely. And confidence doesn't have to be that obnoxious, like, yo, I'm here. Like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, what the world would make confidence look like, mm-hmm. you know? Well, the subtitle of the book is called God's Gracious Invitation to a Life of Quiet Confidence. And I have had for probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I have just had like the word quiet confidence was like, that's what I want in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it is, but that feels so compelling to me that I want to be confident, but I don't want to be loud about it. I want to just be quietly confident. Like that just feels so beautiful to me. And I think that that's what that like, the deep peace and knowing that I'm enough, I'm okay because of Christ allows for that quiet confidence that I don't have to be loud about it. I can just, I can just have it in me. Yeah. So one of the practicals that I like to do when I'm in this place of insecurity and like, whoa, panic, who am I? (laughs) Um, is sitting still and asking the Lord, like, who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. And there's even that song, uh, who you say I am by Hillsong. So good. So good. Rocks my world. Um, And whenever I sit there, though, the things that my mind comes up with, let me rephrase, the things that Mm -hmm. the Lord plants in my mind are things that I could not have or like you can't write them off as coincidence, right? Because Mm -hmm. like when I start to think of them and I like to write them down so I remember, Mm -hmm. you start Mm -hmm. thinking and you're like each one of those specifically starts attacking one of the places of insecurity where the Lord is able to fill me back up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that when we talk through like, you know, invite the Lord in and take your thoughts captive and trade them for what God has for you. I think a lot of our friends that are craving that intimacy with the Lord, but maybe haven't like straight up experienced that, that practicalness, they can sometimes get intimidated because they're like, I don't know how to hear God how speak. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. So I would want you to maybe encourage those friends mm-hmm. that are like, yeah, I'm ready. I just, yeah, I'm stuck. I don't know how. Okay. So here, um, here's one of the things that I had to do during this, this time was I had to write so many lists and I did a ton of journaling. And that's a really good way for me to process. I know not everyone processes that way, but I still would really encourage you to write things down because I just can't remember things that either are good things or things that I've worked through unless they're written down. Like they're gone out of my head. I have have too many things going on. Uh, But one of the things like really practically I had to do is with with my husband. Um, His name is Ryan. He's wonderful. We've been married for 18 years. And of course we have marriage issues and whatever. But um, I, I think in my head, I have a narrative that wants to tell me negative things about him, about what he thinks of me and me not being good enough. And so much of my marriage has been about me trying to prove myself valuable and worthy of his love. And he, he has never given me a reason to think that 
that is all just up in my own head and the story that I told myself. And so what I had to do, and I still have, I have two of them. I have one in my office and one in my bathroom that I've hung on the mirror. They've been there for about three years now where it's like, I wrote statements about who he is that then I could start believing. Because if I'm saying Ryan doesn't love me or Ryan's disappointed in me or Ryan wishes that I was a harder worker or Ryan hates when the dishes are not done. None of those things are true, but those are the things that I have in my head. And so instead I wrote a list of like, Ryan values me. Ryan is trustworthy. Ryan loves me. It's like the most basic things that any marriage, you should know that about your husband, but I really struggled with it. Mm -hmm. So I had to write a list that I'm looking at, that I'm like filling my brain with actually what's true. And so whatever that insecurity place is for you, I think it's, it's, might be really helpful to just actually write a list of what is true and then maybe even what is not true. Like I have a list in my journal too, where I was like, okay, the lie that I feel in my head is that I'm a really, I'm not a good mom. But then I'm like, okay, but there's been some experiences where actually I was a really good mom. And so now you have to write those things down because I need to be able to compare and be like, uh, when the enemy wants to tell me I'm not a good mom, yes, there are moments, but also I'm a really good mom because of these reasons. Yes, the enemy, he, man, he's so sneaky. He's going to try to convince us of all the things in those places of insecurity to keep Uh us there because he knows that when we are secure, we know who our God is. We act that way. We are danger to him. And he's like, panic, panic. (laughs) Um, So it's either we're panicking or the enemy's panicking. And I'm such a competitive spirit that I'm like, well, I ain't going to be me. So (laughs) I might show up to the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I've said this before in another podcast, but uh, it's so true here too. So I have to say it again. But Lisa Turker says, you steer where you stare. And mm-hmm. I think that when we stare at the places that we can get so caught up with, like mm-hmm. I so relate to the whole insecurity and marriage thing. Sometimes I come up with these own conclusions in my mind and then I operate as if they're truth. Um, yeah. My vehicle starts going in that direction instead mm-hmm. of the direction of health and Mm -hmm. um, compassion or even grace for others and myself. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. I know. And the insecurities, like I have very pale skin and I have always been hard. (laughs) It is hard to live in our culture when tan skin is what's beautiful. And I have struggled with it for all my life. And just finally in the last couple of years, and I know so much of this is just from the healing that's happened in my heart. It's like, you know what? The, there's, there's a difference between fact and truth. The fact is I have pale skin, but, but then we start to try to like put meaning to those facts. Ooh, this and, is good. and the, the truth about me is that I'm loved and the fact about me is that I have pale skin. Like those, those are combined, you know? So I think it's also just paying attention to what's fact. Fact is I have less Instagram followers than so-and-so. That's a fact. But then are we assigning meaning to that? And is Mm. that meaning true? And is that, is that really where our meaning and value comes from? I mean, I have to do that all the time, all the time. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. But the truth is. Yeah. And that's where you have to know what is the truth. And we live in a culture that doesn't like truth. <laughs> but if I'm basing my truth on who God is, that he's good and faithful and kind and he provides and he's a God of abundance, if that is true, then this other stuff, those are just facts. That is right. Tell me who I am. That's right. And I think we can filter through it and then act accordingly. Like we yeah. are we are co-heirs to Christ. 
Holy right. moly, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> now, do I act like a princess? No. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. You just get worried about the things that that are there. I mean, and that's where it's like you don't have to deny that those things aren't there. Yeah. Because those, those can still be facts, but they don't have to assign meaning to you. That's right. They are reality, but they don't have mm-hmm. to be identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For and sure. the difference between the two is something we need to be more aware of and I feel like that's easier it's full circle to this conversation but it's easier to do when you are still and have moments Mm -hmm. of quiet and you allow the Lord to slow you down because you can start seeing those red flags rather than if you were just passing by them they're blurry it's really hard to identify like oh wait that that could be danger for me yeah yeah it's this like taking thoughts captive it is a it is an active process like that is I think what following Jesus means is taking your thoughts captive every day all the time and it takes a lot of effort I'm glad you said every day too because there's there's moments I feel really healthy and then there's moments that I'm like are we really revisiting this are you kidding me and we are dang it here we go (laughs) oh dang yes but it is a picking up our cross every day what we're called to like it is it's gonna be a choice a discipline um eventually Mm -hmm. hopefully growing into a habit but it's not something that Mm -hmm. comes natural because we're sinners and and that's okay but when yeah. we say yes to Jesus and we do the whole turning over our hands and opening them, mm-hmm. he can give us things that we never would have imagined being able to hold mm-hmm. if our hands were had closed and turned mm-hmm. over in the first place. That's oh. beautiful, Rachel. No, nope. are you kidding? It's your idea. I just... <laughs> I know, but you just said it so beautifully. <laughs> I should have just said it like you. <laughs> it's sweet. Okay, so for people that want to follow along with you and grab their hands on this book, being able to flip through the pages, just... All the real life things, where can they do that? Um, the best place is emilylex.com. And then I am really active on Instagram. So I'd love for you to hang out with me there. Um, and my Instagram is emilylexstudio. And that's where you can watch all the fun time lapse videos. That's where you videos. can watch our videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colors. Yeah. I love. Yeah. And then also, I would love, um, I know not everyone is going to buy the book, but I have, you can get three chapters for free. So even if you just want to read the first couple of chapters, if it resonates, then you can get the book. And if it doesn't, then that's okay. Um, and you can get that at emilylex.com as well. Amazing. I don't know who, who wouldn't love this. <laughs> My oh. mind's boggled. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What are they missing? Um, oh, I hope people are feeling encouraged. And yeah, like they're able to identify between fact and truth. Mm-hmm. They're starting that process of turning over their hands realizing that taking thoughts captive really could be a lot easier than sometimes I make it out to be in my mind. But I do have to ask you this one last thing. Okay. What is something that you are loving these days that you have to share with the people? It could be a shameless plug. It could be a vacuum cleaner. Like we have anything on here. Anything goes. Okay. Okay. I'm getting really old and my eyes are not, I'm not able to see very well. And just the other night I was painting and I paint really tiny and I was painting and I'm squinting and I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then I realized, oh, I have reading glasses in my desk drawer. I should go get those out. So I put them on and Rachel, I'm telling you, it was like a miracle. I could see. (laughs) So I just ordered a bunch of um, glasses from Warby Parker. I don't wear normal glasses. I just have reading glasses because I don't know, one of my girlfriends told me I should get some. And so I just got these glasses. I'm going to try on the frames. Hopefully they get here this week. But suddenly I'm like, oh, when you're 42 and you can't see, you could get a thing called reading glasses. (laughs) 
That's so dumb, but hey, that's something I'm enjoying. It is not dumb. And I love that you're trying out Warby Parker. They are so fun. They like send you the box of the frames you get to choose. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I know. Ryan's like, seriously, you could buy really cheap glasses. I'm like, I know I could buy really cheap glasses, but I also feel like if I'm going to have to wear glasses, I might as well have them be cute. So let me just try. That (laughs) is right. Yes. Or you feel like my mom, she has like reading glasses everywhere in the house. She's got one in I know. Like, a kitchen chair. She's got her <laughs> nightstand. <laughs> yep, I'm sure. I'll be like that when I get a little older. But for now, I'm like, let's just have one pair. That's cute. Mm-hmm. And I have a tiny, tiny face that's just like, I like should have kid size glasses. So I'm hoping that they'll come through for me here. No shame. <laughs> I actually have kid size sunglasses and they're my favorite pair. Yeah, yeah, mine are from Gap Kids. So I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> I bought them for my kids and I'm like actually they really fit me <laughs> I love that yeah no I'm just glad to know that somebody else has like a smaller face like my face yeah. looks normal size but then you look at my ears and you start to look and you're like wait you actually do have a really small head I'm like I know <laughs> and then you put on glasses and you look like a total bug and you realize yeah hmm not a big face like normal sunglasses are movie star sunglasses on me uh-huh. movie star sunglasses uh-huh. are ridiculous on me I, Can't. I think there are more small framed face women than i think we realize so so you're not alone <laughs> you're like maybe if you're listening you shouldn't be wearing the glasses either i know I mean, <laughs> sisterly <laughs> love and advice here Oh, yes. I love it. Well, Emily, thank you so much for just all of your wisdom and insight. And mm-hmm. oh, I cannot wait for our friends to get their hands on freely and lightly and just soak up this episode because it spoke, it spoke so much truth to me and I'm feeling better because of it. Good. Well, I, what I say is like at the end of reading the book and I hope at the end of like experiencing me talking about this, I hope it makes you feel like you can take a deep breath. I never want it to feel like, oh, great, now I have so many things to do. Like, there are some people who that is their thing. It's like, tell people what to do and go do it. But for me, I'm like, I just want you to know you're not alone. This is normal. This is so good. If God is stirring this stuff up in you, let it wake you up. And take a deep breath because he is so good. He is so good. Amen, sister. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.